0: Hi, Sky Brooks here. Back with another exciting episode. I just want to check to see if we're all here today.
1: Cheers, Sky. Yes, thank you for allowing me to join in. Always interested what you have to say. Right, Cars?
2: Right, Jenny. That goes for me too, Sky. Always interested in what you have to say. I might add though that before we go too far, we should redefine what the term intelligent design is. That idea may be new to some. It is a major point in your discovery, and what you are trying to get across.
1: Great.
0: Yes, Cass, we certainly will go over that definition again.
1: I'll take that one on Cass. There are several different definitions, however we have been using this one for the cast. Intelligent design is an inference from scientific evidence, based on the discovery of properties of a digital code, nanotechnology as it were, in the cell, barological information of complexity and functional specification. Along with that, I would add that complex information cannot be created by any undirected processes.
0: And we're also going to find something quite interesting. I just did a quick look up at science textbooks grades K through 12. And I'll tell you those results as we go on. I think you'll find something quite amazing. What I'm saying is they're still teaching and presenting the same information from 150 years ago. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Glad you're both here. I just want to thank both of you for taking time out of your schedules to support this process and my journey of observation and discovery that I've had. At the close of the last episode, as you recall, we had covered three articles that were dated 1961 A quick review on those, we covered the article on Raymond Dart's discovery of the Java Man and Peking Man, and we can't forget Dart's Monkey Baby, a creature about six years old that strangely combined both ape and human features, called Dart's Baby. A second article of the Cro-Magnum Man, and a cool discovery on a find, and my favorite, a skeleton found presumably related to those wicked men who had perished in Noah's flood, was later recognized not to be a man, but a (laughs) salamander. I still can't get over that one. Does that kind of give you an idea on how they're writing history or creating an agenda? A narrative. I'm sure before most of you are even born. You see the history doesn't start when you're born. Today, everything in life comes under scrutiny of science, which should be guided only by observable facts of truth. Science is like a working hypothesis subject to change in the light of further knowledge, but most of us were still jealous of our own prejudices. Ironically, though, the idea of genes and chance mutations have become universally accepted, but there are those in the day that were no longer heard from because they were denouncing this idea. They were saying the idea is degrading to human dignity. We mentioned just briefly about Stanley Miller's experiment. He was a 22 year old chemist and his goal was shown that living matter first had to come from amino acids from which protein and molecules are formed. His experiment was to indicate that living matter could arise from non living matter spontaneously. I have in this articles here that still in nineteen sixty one, it and his experiment was uh nineteen fifty three or showing a prelude to life. It says the sea a sterile dilute, a salty broth and it swarms with simple protein molecules combining and dissolving recombining into more complex molecules finally the first one one-celled organism appears and it shows his experiment with boiling water with methane ammonia and hydrogen and some water vapor and in time amino acids were just built he says later then came photosynthesis from complex Amoebas with the ability to manufacture energy from the sunlight. Then that divided eventually into two great kingdoms, plants and animals, and eventually forming a layer of ozone and hydrogen in the atmosphere which absorbed deadly ultraviolet radiation. Thus, this enabled organisms to emerge from the water and exploit a whole new
1: era. I can see the direction you're trying to establish here, Skye. This is a course that has been charted and kept alive, not only because of tradition, but this has become a thought process, and a diversion from where the evidence is going, that has been taught and based on lack of evidence. The argument would be, how about all them bones? Well, about them bones, one can't determine inheritance and go just by comparison, generalizations, that just doesn't work anymore.
2: Well a quick follow-up. That experiment has been debunked as we all know. But it still lives on. This great experiment, which shocked the world, could not and has not been repeated to this day. I would check that one out online because I think you'll find how it has created a narrative a so called prebiotic notion of soup where the first one cell organisms appeared. Really? We know today that the gases used were incorrect, not realizing as today that amino acids tend to fall apart in water, not join. It was so hopeful for evolutionists, wasn't it? I think Sky enough has been said about that. The less said the better.
0: I do believe you're right, Cass, enough is said about that. Now I want to mention this discovery, I guess you can call it a discovery, which I already knew existed and I find it quite amazing. All I did was go online and you can find so many things online. It can be a wealth of information. And I certainly hope you all do go online and do some research for yourselves. Now this, which I've said already existed, but for the sake of argument, I told you so. I just did a quick look of a Pacific conservative Western state, the 48 states I'm referring to. I really don't want to mention the state, but it looks, but it was grades K through 12. And in their course, standard textbooks for science. There were two chapters. One chapter was on the direct information from Darwin and what he did. And I quote, when Darwin returned to England five years later he did not rush to announce his discoveries. Darwin did not want to present any ideas unless he had strong evidence at supporting them. Yes, Darwin did go on a five-year journey, mostly spent the time on a sailing ship, However, he spent only three months in the Galapagos Islands, where he so-called made these scientific discoveries. Now you have to realize where this is coming from. England at the time was in the center of the world, or they thought they were the center of the world. And about that same time, they were saying the sun didn't set where it didn't set, where there wasn't a British
1: colony. Yes, Sky, I will have to admit that at that time, England still had that concept about the world. And even today there are some, that still hold on to that mentality, to the point that some still recognize that Winchester is still the capital, not London, however as you know, I've have also teased you about that old saying, that you're from the colonies as well, but you know it was all in jest, and just fun to do, you know, but I'll tell you this, I have no explanation why Brits, keep saying, I went to hospital, or, I went to university. I suppose you just haven't learned our language yet, right?
0: Which is quite funny because when I was in England for several years, I was always referred to, oh, he's the one from the colonies. In that same chapter is a drawing how our ape-like ancestors evolved. And you've all seen that picture before many times, where you have the ape-like skeleton Stepping through a process story becomes the skeletal structure of man today. Now, having said this, this is the narrative it's created. As I have said before, and they say it here, and I quote again, it is possible for mutations to, to occur spontaneously. A spontaneous mutation can just happen. Beneficial mutations lead to survival of the individual in the best fit of the current environment, what results in evolution. Darwin's theories were based on the results of a tremendous amount of scientific evidence. Yes, I wonder what kind of electron microscope he had, or the type of microbiology labs that they had available. I think you know where I'm coming from on that one. Let's just say a couple things about the timeline here he released his book in 1859, right? That's less than 80 years from the Revolutionary War or the Constitution was ratified in 1791. Wow. And in 1858, Rudolf Virchow had his theories of cellular pathology spell the end of humoral medicine. Humoral medicine was a system of medicine at that time detailing the makeup of workings of the human body adopted by ancient Greek and Roman physicians. One can only imagine those type of procedures. In Going down a little bit more on the timeline and trying to set this perspective, in 1901, a fellow by the name of Carl Leinsteiner discovered the existence of different human blood types. In 18 or 1928, Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin, and that was an accident. So, you remember Darwin's Origin of Species again? It was in 1859. I just can't stop with these comparisons and this timeline. It shows a pattern. Am I right? What's the deal with that?
2: That is quite incredible Skye, how those ideas are still manifesting themselves today, being perpetuated. It is quite obvious by that timeline how antiquated and outdated those techniques were, and how far we've come, most are still stuck in the past with these ideas, basically it has been ingrained in their mind, it's really too bad. Research today has progressed far beyond any of those limiting science methods. I've been to many debates. And there are those that still defend evolution, and put a spin on it. Once I had a question, and the speaker said, Yes, speak up, we have a visitor from the colonies. That will never end Jenny. I also know, Scott, you can get a bit passionate on these topics. But here the thing on that, those that are presenting new factual evidence, contrary to neo-Darwinist. Darwinists eventually come to a point they have no explanation to support their case, and as always, they then begin to attack the other speaker. Debate, over.
0: Getting back to the school's science text, their core text, here's a great example of how it fits the narrative or how they try to make it. They talk about a porpoise and a shark. They say, quote, even though they evolved different from ancestors, they develop analogous structures as a result of their evolution. Quite remarkable. Don't you think you see what I've been trying to get across? Are you with me on this? Can you see why I've mentioned some of these newspaper articles far as back as 1961? In your mind, you're probably thinking, oh, that's... uh, really doesn't matter today because that was in 1961. Well, they're going back 150 years. And I'm just trying to show you how they're sustaining the pattern of that hoax, this false narrative. Now, this is even worse than Darwin. See, Darwin wasn't in embryology. He was like many other explorers in the day, jotting down notes about his travels or their travels, ship captains or whomever. But there was a German biologist named Ernest Haeckel. Now, he made drawings of embryos, pencil drawings, to show that they are virtually identical in the earliest stages. And it's very convincing. And it shows this on a full page of this in the textbook of K through twelve. Now here's the deal on that: it's a fake, it's a hoax. Darwin used those in his book Origin of Species. So I mean, what does that say about his book? This picture of Heckel's drawings were dated 1892. You got to be kidding me! And here's the crazy thing: biologists have known for over a hundred years that Heckel has faked his drawings. Do you see the narrative that was created? Or This is classic example of evidence being skewed to fit a theory. It just doesn't and hasn't ended. And I am betting that you can find this in m- most modern textbooks just about anywhere. Now here, this is even crazier. There's actually a March issue of 2000 of Natural History where they called it fraudulent, saying he simply copied the same figure over and over again. This has also turned out to be one of the most famous fakes in biology, deception and untruth. Ask yourself, why is this happening? You know what this is. This is just total (laughs) coward. What's the reasoning behind this? The textbook goes through the possible causes of mutation. And there are mutations caused by all natural things, radiation we know of, x-rays, ultraviolet light, even nuclear radiation. But I guarantee you these are not positive mutations. This process doesn't happen randomly. Now there are adaptations. Yes, I know. Not saying that that doesn't happen because it does. But look at this way. If adaptations happen one way to benefit, they can adapt back at the conditions and if the environment or whatever necessitates it. Do you see what's going on here? Who is doing this? This podcast was created out of passion passion for the truth, of discovery, and I can certainly tell you there are more people passionate out there than me. They have dedicated their careers, livelihood, and they are, well, and have tipped the scales, but the resistance is relentless. It's not a matter of, oh, I have these accolades, and you don't, or I can debate better than you. It's where the evidence takes you. What if this evidence was presented in a fair and accurate opinion in curriculum for a second idea? Suggesting intelligent design or at least another idea. Okay, I just want to briefly mention this because I believe we've gone over this before. And this is another article in 61. And the problem is they knew then what the contributions would be. But I believe we've uh, mentioned this. The article's entitled Code Letters of life Control Genetic Systems, and it reveals what the two Britons, two Brits revealed or discovered, Watson and Crick, made of the model of DNA with the four letters arranging five billion combinations that will seemingly shape endless things that live or will ever live or have lived. Those four letters just are TCNG not to get in the details of those amino acids that's not what this is about however that code alone just blew away natural selection and Darwin and Heckel's drawings and again this was in 61 but it that still lived on and had they I'm speaking of those in about 1859 had they had a field ion microscope which reveals atomic structures and it magnifies 2,750,000 times, I would say that's just a tad bit better than an old tri leg base microscope having a substage mirror with a coarse and fine focus lens that may have a 200 and one being of a 300 fold magnification was something that you paste between two pieces of glass. You know the one I'm talking about. I've used one. We've all used one. I even broke the lens on one because I focused it down too much and broke the glass. I mean, it, it happens. And did I tell the science teacher? Are you kidding me? No, I was scared to death. What if I had dropped it, the whole thing? I was more worried about that. And I could care less what was under the microscope, some bug or something that we were supposed to look at. But anyway, enough about that. Well, good times have just flown by. I don't know where the time's gone. And this hoax and fraudulent information is worse because the impact it's had on everyone and an entire system this is worse than Russia, Russia, Russia. Just stop already. And that was just K through 12 in a conservative Western state and looking at something, looking at their textbook just on the fly. But it is what it is, I guess. And this is a wrap. Thanks for your input, Jenny, and we'll talk to you later, Cass.
1: No problem, Sky. See you later next time. Cheers.
2: Thank you, Sky. Jenny is England. The center now. Yay!